at this time. Um, you can be seated. And yeah, we're going to go right to the word of the Lord, Sister Camarita, Sister Shannon. are going to be passing out some clipboards as we continue on with lesson number three. Uh, diving into the word of the Lord in the series Rooted and Grounded. Amen. And uh, tonight uh, we're going to be talking about the word of God. Amen. The word of God. And uh, I am looking forward to it. And I've been asked on the spot, Brother Nate, if you uh, come up here and grab a microphone and help me be my reader. We are talking about the Word of God tonight. Uh, so much in the Word of God, so much value to our lives can be added from the Word of God. Amen. Both the written Word of God and the spoken Word of God, preached Word of God. Amen. The, uh, the sung Word of God. Uh, so much can be accomplished through the Word of God. And uh, it's our intent, amen, through these uh, lessons on Wednesday nights uh, that our understanding would go deeper in, in God and, and we would be able to understand more about the Word of God. And it, is, it really is a building up of the church um, and it is a perfecting of the saints as we study the Word of God. Uh, and from my perspective or the perspective of the minister, amen, it is, it is my attempt through study of the Word of God and prayer on my knees is to prepare this bride of Christ, amen, for the bridegroom, amen, when we get to heaven, and if I've done my job, amen, we'll stand up for the Lord and we'll be ready, amen, to, uh, to meet the Lord in the clouds of glory, amen, but we want to talk about the Word of God, we've, uh, uh, talked last time about the the family of God and the church of the living God, and we talked about a lot of different things that applies to our lives. And today, talking about the Word of God, and it's not on here, but I do want to start out with Hebrews chapter four and verse number twelve. Hebrews chapter four and verse number twelve, and I'll read this. Uh, it says, "For the Word of God is quick and powerful." And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. In the Greek, amen, that word quick, amen, for the word of God is quick. In the Greek, it is living. It is alive. Amen. The word of God is a living word. Amen. That it goes with us. Uh, it is alive. If we'll, if we'll get the word of God working in our lives. Amen. We will have life again. And the word of God is powerful. What we're going to talk about tonight. The word of God is powerful. And it is as the word of God here says in Hebrews 4 and 12. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. As it begins to apply to our lives. Amen. It will cut some things away. It will cut open some things in our lives and begin to reveal to us, amen, the contents of our heart, the contents of our life and of our mind. And we begin to, we begin to see our, 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 ourselves, our lives through the mirror of the word of God. And that's what we want to have 
uh, accomplish here tonight is that that word of God would begin to bring understanding not just of the nature of God, but also of who we are, who we are ourselves, amen, how our lives uh, really are. Uh, but there must be a application of the sword of the spirit to our lives. There must be a cutting. It must be a cutting in our lives. Uh, there's a, a scripture in the word of God that talks about the engrafted word of God. Perhaps you've, uh, you've heard it or you've read it before. It talks about the engrafted word of God. And I was just hearing recently a minister talk about uh, the process of grafting. Uh, perhaps it's with uh, one type of tree to another type of tree. And there's a cutting of the, uh, let's call it the root tree. There's a cutting in of that root tree. Uh, and there, so that the, uh, a branch of a different type of a tree can be grafted in. But first there must be a cutting. There must be an opening in that, uh, that tree for another branch to be grafted in. And with our lives, amen, the word of God is going to cut some things in our lives. It's going to reveal some things in our life. But that is what is necessary for, the, for God's nature, for the word of God to be implanted in our lives. Is that the word of God must, uh, it must be applied to our lives. Uh, another scripture, I don't have it, uh, the exact reference, but I believe it's in the book of Jeremiah. It talks about the word of God is like a hammer. The word of God is like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. And you think, well, what does that mean? That sounds kind of harsh. But the word of God, if we'll allow it to keep working in our lives, and if, we'll, uh, if you'll have a preacher in your life, if you'll have a man of God in our lives that will begin to swing that hammer, amen, it will break in pieces every stony heart, amen, so that it can begin to penetrate into your life, into your soul. But you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable to the word of God, vulnerable to the preached word of God, to the taught word of God, and say, God, however it comes across in my life, God, I just want your word to be applied to my life. Whether it comes across as a sword tonight, God, or whether it comes across, Lord, as a hammer in my life, God. Lord, however it comes across, I want your word. I want it to be applied to my life. I want that word of God in my life. And many times as I approach the study of the word of God, amen, I, in my life personally, I go back to a particular service. I remember in San Jose a few years ago, and I don't know if you've ever been in a service where uh, the preacher's preaching, and all of a sudden he gets like right next to you, he's like in your face, and he's preaching, you're thinking, I think this is for me. I'm pretty sure it's not for anybody else, this is for me. And, and I remember a particular service where a uh, pastor began to, amen, almost get in my face and, and preach, if you'll let the word of God work in your life, there will be more things come out of you than you're looking at right now. And I began to, and I, I, I remember I, I bought the CD, and I, the CD and I was like, I want to never forget that message. I want to never forget that word that pastor preached in my life. And I began to let those words from my pastor begin to reverberate in my heart. If I let the word of God work in my life, there will be more things come out of me than I'm looking at right now. And he began to, he began to further give me some words. Amen. And I, and I just, I said, I received that word. I received that word. I'm not going to be embarrassed because he's in my face and almost spitting on me. Uh, but I'm going to say, I receive it. God, whatever you have for me, God, I receive that word, God. I'm not going to uh, get offended. I'm not going to, uh, you know, uh, allow it to affect me negatively, God. But God, I want to get that word in my heart. I want to get that word in my life. Amen. And it's that same way tonight. 
I will tell you the same way that my pastor told me, if you'll let the word of God work in your life, there will be more things come out of you than you ever realized, than you ever thought possible. Because you just say, I want that word to get in my heart. I want to get to mix that word of God with my life. I want to get it in my heart. I want to get it in my soul. I want to get it down deep inside of me. And so as we jump into the word of God, the study tonight, amen, I want you to take that with you. Amen. The Bible that you hold in your hand is not just another book. It is unique and it is different from any other book that's ever been printed. And that's an underlying uh, answer there in case you didn't catch it. It is unique and different from any other book that's ever been printed. Amen. We could talk about the Search for Truth Bible study. We'll tell you about how that uh, there's been more translations than any other book that's ever been written. Amen. The Word of God, the Bible, the Holy Bible. Amen. It's tried. It's been a, they've made many attempts to stamp it out, to burn out the Bible. Amen. But it's withstood the test of time. Amen. It's, it's been it's withheld against many uh, false doctrines that have crept up. Amen. The Word of God is unchanged. And perhaps you've even seen, amen, some of those pictures that have circulated at times on Facebook or social media. You see a picture of uh, a particular wrecking, uh, wrecked or burned uh, building. I'm thinking in my mind of if, uh, on 2001, September 11th, uh, when the Pentagon was crashed into. And there was, I've never seen a picture, even how the Bible is still on a stand, just untouched. Everything else around it was, was burned, was uh, charred, but the Bible was still there untouched. And in my mind, I still see the Word of God as that way. Just, you can't, amen, change it. You can't alter it. It will, still, it will withstand the test of time. And, and uh, what makes the Bible so unique and so different from any other book? Uh, it really is a book of books. And it's 66 books to be exact. And we're going to jump into some uh, somewhat rather elementary things in the Word of God. Uh, but it is very, it's going to be helpful to you nonetheless. There are 66 books in the Bible, and the Bible is divided into two uh, sections, two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament and the New Testament. And each testament is divided into five sections. Uh, and if you were to ask, how do you remember how many books are in the Old Testament? Uh, you could take... The number of letters in the word old, which is three. And the number of letters in the word testament, which is nine. And you have 39 books. That's one way to remember how many books is in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, you take the three uh, number of letters in new. And you multiply it times the nine letters in testament. And you get 27. So you got 39 books in the Old Testament. 27 books in the New Testament. In the New Testament... The Old Testament is divided into five sections. Uh, as you begin to break down the Word of God, it's the law has five books. That's uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, that's the first five books of the Bible, and that's the law. And then we jump into history. In point number two, history has 12 books. And I believe that's made up of the Judges and the Chronicles. Uh, and Kings, the book of Kings, and, and there's a lot of uh, things that take place in the, the books of history. There's 12 books. And then you move into 
Poetry, and uh, point number three. And poetry has five books. Um, and this will help you to at least kind of be able to categorize somewhat the Old Testament and know how to, how to break it up and how to kind of digest it. Uh, and so point number three is poetry has five books. And immediately following the books of poetry, uh, and including the books of poetry would be uh, such as the book of Psalms. It would be the Song of Solomon. I believe it's also Ecclesiastes. Um, what's that? Proverbs. Yes, yes, ma'am. Proverbs. So a lot, lot of uh, valuable things in in the books of poetry. Those five books. And in, in point number four, uh, you have the major prophets. And in the major prophets, there's five books. Uh, the major prophets is uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. Uh, and then there's another one, Lamentations. Lamentations. Amen. Those are the five books that make up the major prophets. And you may ask, what is the difference between a major prophet and a minor prophet? And the difference is, very simply, it's the length of the book. The major prophets are larger in number, and in the sense that there's more chapters, there's more verses, they're longer. And the, main, the minor prophets are uh, smaller in content. Some of the minor prophets, uh, in point number five, there's 12 books. Uh, the minor prophets are just simply, they're shorter in length. Some are even one chapter uh, or two or three chapters, uh, but they're very short in nature. And, uh, there's a lot of things that we can get from studying uh, the minor prophets as well as the major prophets. Um, and then as we move to the New Testament, in, in point B, uh, the New Testament is broken up by the Gospels, uh, and that's point number one. The Gospels is four books, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Gospels are the uh, story of Jesus as he is, his, uh, they kind of encapsulate the, the ministry of Jesus while he was here on earth for uh, the length of his life, 33 and a half years, I believe it was, uh, the Gospels, uh, so much in there, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, many parables, uh, many things that the Lord talked about, um, many healings and miracles that took place in the Gospels, those four books. And then point number two, and some of you are probably already getting ahead of me, and that's all right, you know what we're talking about tonight. Uh, and point number two, it's history. And it's one book. And it is the history of the church. It is the, how the church got founded. And that is the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the history of the, uh, the New Testament church. And how the Holy Ghost was first poured out in the upper room. And how the churches got started. Uh, and many miracles that took place. And many outpourings of the Holy Ghost that happened. Uh, were... It started out talking about how 3,000 got saved through the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts. And then it moved into uh, great multitudes. And then it began to just simply say, we couldn't number them. So many people began to get the Holy Ghost. And that is the history uh, of the church. And then in point number three is the Pauline epistles. And there's 14 books. And the reason it's called the Pauline epistles, and that's spelled Paul, I-N-E. 
P-A-U-L-I-N-E, the Pauline Epistles, and that's 14 books in point number three. And the reason it's called the Pauline Epistles is because the Apostle Paul penned those books or is widely acclaimed, at least, to do so. And then, and am, I, am I going too fast so far? Okay, I, I, I want to move through this rather quickly because this is, uh, it's just, it's pretty basic stuff, but I do want to at least get it out there. Uh, and point number four under the New Testament is the general epistles, and there are seven books in the general epistles. Uh, and that would be uh, the epistles not written by the Apostle Paul. There's the book of Jude. Uh, there's the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. There's the book of, uh, I think, Titus. I'm not sure Titus falls into Pauline, but there's many. Uh, there's seven books in the general epistles. Um, and then the final point under the New Testament is prophecy. And there is just one book in the New Testament as it relates to prophecy, um, I would say there's also another book. I think the book of Thessalonians alludes uh, to the second coming of Christ or the rapture of the church. But the book of Revelation, which is what we're talking about, for prophecy, prophecy, amen, is just, it encompasses uh, the, it's the revelations of John, amen, that God gave him for the end of time. And, uh, Many, many things in there that are still yet being uh, discovered in the book of Revelation. So that's kind of the, the, uh, the Word of God as it's uh, broken up into Old and New Testaments and the different sections of the Word of God. And it is helpful to at least know kind of how the, what the breakout is uh, regarding the Word of the Lord. Uh, in point number C, the Old Testament was written over a period of 1,400 years, 1,400 years. And it had 32 writers. The Word of God, the Old Testament, over a vast sum of time. And the scope of its writing covers approximately 3,600 years. And the reason for that is you have, uh, I believe it is Moses, amen, that wrote many of the uh, first books of the Bible. Uh, and Moses was not, there when God formed the heavens and the earth. He was not there when Noah built the ark. Uh, but Moses did come along and through uh, the passing down the word of the Lord, he was able to write many of the books of the Bible. Uh, so that's why it can cover a larger group of time than the period of which it was written. Uh, and the last point on the first page, point D, the New Testament had nine writers and covered a period of time of approximately 100 years. Nine writers over a period of approximately 100 years. As we talk about those last two points on this first page. If you were to go to the doctor. Amen. And perhaps you've heard this before. So bear with me. But if you were to go to the doctor. In the year 2001. And hear the prognosis of your medical condition. They would tell you one thing. They would perhaps maybe even write it down and give you detailed instructions. Your, your type A, your type, your O positive, or they'd tell you all these different things. Uh, looks like you got this genetic defect and you got this 
genetic enhancement or, or whatever. And then perhaps even in, the, in that year 2001, you'd say, well, I want to get a second opinion. I'm going to go to this other doctor and I'm going to have them talk to me about my physical condition. You would get a different prognosis and they would tell you something different. And, and it would change even more drastically if you went back 10 years later in the year 2011 to the same doctor and they would begin to look at you and say, well, you look like you're actually not that. You're this and, and this is what's going on in your body. And you'd be so confused with the different prognoses over your life, over your body and how it's, it's just changed. It's not the same. Uh, even if you were to go to 10 different doctors in the same year on the same day, you'd get 10 different prognoses and all these different things. And But the Bible, even though it was written over uh, a period of uh, 1,500 years, amen, and had uh, 41 writers in total, amen, it is congruent, it is in agreement one with the other, and there is no uh, contradictions in the Word of God, amen, it all flows together in a beautiful way, amen, and the Bible is is uh, beautiful and it is unique in that in that uh, from that perspective that you can have 41 different writers over hundreds of years many uh, a vast sum of time and yet one word from another word amen is in perfect agreement is in perfect alignment and you can take it to the you can take it to the bank if God spoke it back to the prophet Elijah and spoke it again to the mouth of the prophet of the apostle Paul and and yet speaks again in 2017 through your pastor. Amen. The word of God hasn't changed. And it's still the same. And there's no contradictions to the word of God. And perhaps if you study the word of God, you think, oh, I found a contradiction. I think I found something. It doesn't make sense. If you can begin to study the word of God a little bit more and ask God to give you understanding. Amen. You will find in your life, amen, that there is perfect harmony in the word of God. Because... Well, there may have been many different men that penned the words of the Bible. There is still one author of the Bible. Amen. There's still one author of the Word of God. Amen. Jesus Himself, amen, claims authorship. He claims authority for the Word of God. And there's so much that we can talk about as it relates to the authenticity of the Bible and the Word of God. Amen. But suffice it to say that His Word is the same. It hasn't changed. Amen. And we can rely on the Word of God. On page number two, as we're talking about the importance of the Word to your life. And there are many different applications that we're going to make in the next few moments. And then as it relates to the importance of the Word of God in your life. And if uh, Brother Nate could read, um, it's right here in front of us. It's Psalms 119 and verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. And so the word of God is a defense against sin. The word of God that we hear, hear preached, that we hear taught, that we break it open on our dining table, and we, get, we begin to read the word. The word of God is a defense against sin. It will help keep you from sinning if you can get the word of God in your heart and in your life. Amen. It will help you more than you've ever realized. Amen is a defense against sin. And, and I take this word literally. Amen. And I, and I would say, God, I want to hide that word in my heart. God, help me to memorize your word. What does it mean to hide his word in your heart? 
It means that you would uh, not just hear it, but you would begin to embrace it in your life and you would begin to perhaps memorize the Word of God and you would say, God, I want to get that Word deep in my soul. And so when I hear uh, the pastor preach and when I hear uh, an evangelist come through and preach, I want to head to the altar and I want to pray that Word into my heart, God. I want that Word to get deep in my soul. I want that Word to, to get in my heart today, God. That it, might, that it might keep me from sin. That it might keep me from doubting you, God. I want that word to get deep in my soul. I want it to get in my heart. And the next point that we're going to talk about. Amen. The word of God in this scripture is in, in Psalms 119 and verse number 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is a lamp and a light. And the way that I would. Uh, the way that I understand this. And I believe it applies to this scripture. Is the word of God as a lamp. Illuminates where I am. It shows me where I am in my present situation. And if you allow the word of God to go forth in your life. It will tell you exactly where you are on this Wednesday night. It will say. This is exactly what's going on in your life. But the Bible is not just uh, static, but the, the Bible, the Word of God is, is dynamic in the fact that it's not just a lamp. It's not just telling you where you are, but it is also a lamp. It is a light unto your path. And it will show you this is not just where you are, but I want to show you what steps you should be taking. I want to show you what direction you should be going in. And so the Word of God is a lamp and it is a light illuminating where I am but also telling me uh, and illuminating the path that's in front of me and showing me what steps I am to take. The Word of God has tremendous value in your life for your present situation, but also for every, uh, perhaps every young person here as well. As you, uh, as, a young, as a young people in this room seek to know the will of God for their lives. God, what do you want me to do? God, what is the right job? What is the right... Uh, vocation, what is uh, uh, the right person to marry, what is the right this and the right that, and if you get the word of God working, God, I want to take this back to your word, God, I want it to illuminate my path, God, I want it to show me the path that I am to take, and point number C, the word of God is a place to find direction, it's a place to find direction, and this next scripture is Psalms 119 and verse 133. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Order my steps in thy word. God, I want you to direct my path. I want to do things that are pleasing to you. I want your word to give me direction and guidance. I want you, God, to, to show me what steps to take. And I don't know about you, but I've prayed this prayer many times. I'm sure many of you have. Order my steps in your word, God. Order my steps, God. I want my steps to be ordered by the Lord. I want God to lead and to guide me. It is a place to find understanding in the word of God. It is a place to find understanding. In Psalms 119 and verse number 169. Brother Nathan. Let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. 
There really is understanding that comes from the Word of God. There's a scripture, I believe, it's in, it's in the New Testament. Uh, it talks about uh, be not wise in thine own eyes or something of that nature, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Uh, I have to go back and find that exact reference, but uh, it's God's will for us to have understanding, to not live our lives in such confusion. Amen. So many times we see people come and perhaps we look back into chapters of our lives and we see times of just confusion. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. I, I don't have understanding. I don't know what, what God's doing. And perhaps you find yourself in that situation tonight, but if you'll get the Word of God and you'll begin to open the Word of God and begin to study and read it, there's going to be times when you break out the Word of God that you're going to cry. You're going to weep before the Lord. You're going to put your face in this book and you're going to say, God, you've got to speak to me. God, you've got to give me direction. God, you've got to, you've got to uh, do something in my life. And God, I need understanding right now, God. God and there's going to be, I remember times, uh, I remember a time as I was uh, uh, in my teenage years, amen, and uh, having different conversations with people at work about the oneness of God and Jesus named baptism. I began to go to the word of God and say, God, it's in here somewhere, God. Somewhere I know, God, that in your word it talks about be, there's only one God. There's only one way to be saved. And I begin to search the scriptures. God, God, help me, God, to get revelation. Help me to get understanding, God. Help me to know what the word of God says and how it applies to my life. God, I've got to get it for myself. And when you determine, you get that hunger in your soul, God, I want that word. I want it deep in my soul. Amen. It will, God will bring you illumination. Brother Dooley. Yes, that's that's one of the there's one in the in the I believe it's the New Testament. Uh, I believe it's in the New Testament. I have to go back and search it, but thank you. It's it's very I might be mixing them up in my mind as well. Uh, but also in point number E, uh, the Word of God is a place to find hope. It's a place to find hope. Psalms 130 and verse number 5. Psalms 130 and verse number 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul doeth wait, and in His word do I hope. Amen. There is hope in His word. Amen. There is hope in the word of God. It is the vehicle that brings faith. In point number F, it is the vehicle that brings faith. The Word of God is the vehicle that brings faith. And according to Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17, we see this played out. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. It's so important, amen, for us to come to church and hear the preached Word of God. Uh, I heard it said just, a, just recently, a family that... Uh, that came for the first time some weeks back, they began to realize, I need to come back to church. I need to uh, allow God's Word to work in my life again. And the gentleman began to tell me how that um, felt like his faith in God, his faith in the things of God had it just kind of fallen off and it wasn't where it used to be. 
as it was years ago in his life, and he began to realize after a service, I need to come back. I need to start committing myself to come into church that I can hear the Word of God preached in my life. Because you could come to the church if you haven't been here so long, and you, you're, it's almost like your faith is run out, and you just, you just don't know anymore. You just, I don't know. But the Word of God, if you will, if you will, uh, if you will allow yourself to hear the word preached and, and taught, amen, it will bring faith. And it's a vehicle that brings faith is the word of God. And I will say there have been uh, times in my life where um, perhaps it was a, in the middle of the night. I remember several times in the middle of the night uh, as a young man, and I don't know what it was, but I felt like there were several times when I was growing up uh, that I would just, be scared, just fearful, uh, scared of the dark, just scared of something happening here, in the, the train in the background, and, and just being super scared. And I, there was a scripture, actually I, I made it a point to memorize uh, Psalms chapter 91. And when in those times in the middle of the night when I was scared and full of fear and anxiety and worry, not sure if I was going to live or die or what whatnot and just just felt that uh, that spiritual attack. I would begin to quote that scripture out loud, not in my head, but I would begin to say, "He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom will I trust." And I began to go down the line. I began to quote that scripture, and I began to quote it out loud. And it wasn't long before, after quoting that scripture, that I'd feel the peace and I'd go back to sleep. And I felt and I knew that God was with me and his word, it would come alive and it would bring it would bring the faith that I needed to know that God was in charge and that God would see me through. God would take care of me. I don't know. uh, Maybe you still deal with being uh, fearful. uh, But if you begin to quote out loud that scripture and begin to begin to read it out loud and begin to apply it to your life. Amen. You will find that God will do wondrous things for your life. In point number G, uh, in point G, it is a cleansing agent, the Word of God. It is, a, it is a cleansing agent, and we see that played out in Ephesians chapter 5 and 26. That you might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. Amen. And as I apply this to my life, uh, you can be at work, and you can't control what others say at work. You can't control uh, the music that's being played at work. But you can control your heart. You can control your mind. And it seems like sometimes after a long day at work, uh, there's so many spirits at work and there's worldly music being played oftentimes and, and people using language that you don't want to hear. And you come home and you, and you almost you have to break out the Word of God and say, God, renew my mind. You get in the Holy Ghost and you begin to pray, God, renew my mind. And the Bible, the Word of God, is a cleansing agent. In Ephesians 5.26, He may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. Amen. God, help me to, to get back to the basics. Help me to get back uh, to a good, firm, solid grounding in my soul. I want that Word of God. And we talk about in Hebrews 4 and 12, but also in Ephesians 6 and 17, uh, we see that the Bible... The Word of God is a sword of the Spirit. It is a sword of the Spirit, Ephesians 6 and 17. 
that he might uh, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's that uh, weapon of attack or fighting. It's how you fight with the word of God. Amen. We need to pray and we must pray to make it. But we have to combine our prayers with the word of God as the sword of the spirit. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. And then it's, it is to be rightly divided in point I. It is to be rightly divided. And it's in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15 that reads as such. Study to shoot thyself or prove unto God. A workman that he is not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It is to be rightly handled, rightly divided. Um, the scripture talks about no scripture is of any private interpretation. Um, God's not going to give you some secret revelation and not so to anybody else. But the revelation, if God does give a revelation, it's going to align with the word of God. It's going to, uh, uh, it's got to be rightly divided. It's got to, uh, it's got to uh, agree with the word of God. And then point J, it is to be obeyed by our actions. It is to be obeyed by our actions. The word of God is not just something that we hear preached or we hear taught and we think, well, I feel inspired. I feel encouraged. Those are all good and positive things. But ultimately, the Word of God is to be obeyed by our actions. It is to be applied to our lives. It is not a theoretical book, but it is a book of practical application. And James chapter 1 and verse number 22 reads as follows. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. If we just listen to the word of God, and never really apply it to our lives, we can quickly become self-righteous and know how. All the preachers preach. You can listen to Holy Ghost Radio all day long. You can turn on Apostolic Paul all day long. You can hear preaching after preaching after preaching after preaching. And you can know exactly almost the words they're going to say next and have whole sermons memorized. But until you begin to apply it to your life and pray it into your spirit, amen, it's, 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 uh, it's not going to have its perfect work in your life. You can... Go around. Some people do it. And they just hear preacher, preachers all across the country, all over the world, and are hearing preachers and YouTube videos and, and podcasts and so on and so forth. But it has to. There has to be a practical application to your life. It can't just be. In the, it can't just exist in the theoretical. It can't just exist uh, in the abstract. But there has to be practical application to your life. Otherwise, you're living. You're living deceived. The word of God says it. Otherwise, you're deceiving yourself. I don't want to. I don't want to deceive myself. I don't want to think I'm something, and really I'm nothing. To think I'm all right with God. I'm making it to heaven. I'm on my way there, 
And then come to find out, I don't really have it. I don't want to live deceived. And the final section of this study tonight is the Word of God as it is in your daily life. And as we talk about not just being a hearer of the Word, but also being a doer. The Word of God in your daily life, it should become a habit. I want everyone to write that down. It should become a habit in your life to read the Word every day. Not just on Sunday morning you get up and you dust off the Bible and you know, kind of brush off all the dust and then you're maybe, maybe scrambling. I know some of you are busy and maybe the moms, it's hard to find things and the kids move it. But it shouldn't be the fact that every Sunday morning, where's my Bible? Oh, it's where you left it last Sunday, Mom. Oh, Lord, forgive me. It should be, I got my Bible. I was reading just yesterday. I know where my Bible is. Uh, I would make it a point, this is just me personally, I would make it a point to have a highlighter and a pen right next to it as you read the Bible and begin to highlight stuff that jump out at you, begin to write some stuff in the margin, uh, things that God maybe speaks to you and, and uh, just engage with the Word of God. But it should become a habit in your life to read the Bible every day. You cannot survive spiritually on what you receive during church services alone. And I'll be careful to say there that uh, you need... All of these different components at work in your life together. One can't say, well, I'm just going to stay at home and, and I'm just going to, you know, have my Bible study there at home. Or I'm just going to stay home and pray in my house. While the rest of the saints of God are gathering together for a church service. You've got to have the, the church. But also on the flip side, you can't just say, well, I go to church. Sundays and Wednesdays, I'm good. You can't survive just on, on church on Sunday and Wednesday alone. You've got to Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, whatever time of the day, Thursday and Friday and Saturday, where that word of God has continued to work in your life. And you're continuing to open up the Bible and read it and study it. God, what is that preacher talking about? I want to find that scripture. I want to, I want to see how that scripture, where that scripture is in the, in the word of God. And the last point on this on the second page is pray the word. Pray the word. And I would say you can get a lot of application out of the book of Psalms. Amen. The book of Psalms is many of the Psalmist David's prayers and songs before the Lord. And there are many times and perhaps uh, maybe you're at a point in your prayer life and and uh, God's wanting you to go a little bit longer prayer, and you feel like, I ran out of words. I've been there before. I feel like I ran out of words. I don't know what else to say, God. I feel like I've used up all my hundred words today. You can get the Bible, and you can begin to pray. Open up the Word of God and begin to walk back and forth or just kneel there and begin to read that Word out loud. And, begin to, and, and love God, let that prayer of the psalmist David be my prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. And you, you can begin to go down the Scriptures and begin to pray that word. God, it's my prayer to you. God, yes, it's in the Bible. Yes, it was the psalmist David's prayer, but God, let it be my prayer. God, I want to pray that word. I want it to come alive in my daily time of prayer. The Bible is full of promises from God. They, these, deal, these promises deal with our families, with the works of our hands, 
our careers, our homes, our health. And we need to make it a point to pray the word when confronted with situations in our lives. There is a power in using the word of God in your prayer time. There is a power, and that's why I would encourage you, if you haven't already, find a few scriptures in the word of God and commit yourself to memorizing them. And just say, God, help me to memorize this scripture. Help me to memorize the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, pierced even to the divided asunder of soul and spirit. And, and in times of prayer, you're going to begin to quote that scripture. And God is going to give you victory like you can't get without the word of God working in your life. There's been times, I remember personally times and as I went to prayer and I felt like I'm struggling. Can't break through. What's going on? I'm so cold. I feel like God's a million miles away. But I begin to quote that scripture. I begin to pray that word. And I feel the Holy Ghost moving into that place where I'm praying. And God gives me victory. And in your life, when you begin to mix the word of God with your life. And the last section here is live the word. God never intended the word his word to be something that was listened to, but never obeyed. He never intended it to be something that was listened to, but never obeyed. He expects and even demands a response to his word. He expects and even demands a response to his word. Amen. You and I, whether we realize or not, we make choices after the word of God is preached. Am I going to embrace it? Am I going to ignore it? Or am I going to reject it? But you are going to make a, you are going to have a response to the word of God. And God requires and expects it as a response to his word. And again, remember the words of James concerning the word of God. It's found in James 1. 22 and 23. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Apply it to your life. There are so many ways you can apply the word of God to your life. I shared uh, with First Churches recently Amen. About the story of the prophet Ezekiel. How that the prophet Ezekiel, God spoke to him about the valley full of dry bones. And said, son of man, prophesy to this valley. First he began to talk to Ezekiel. Can these, can these bones live? O Lord God, only thou knowest. And he began to say, prophesy to these bones. And command the bones to come together. And we hear that story taught in the word of God. You can apply that to your life. There's things in the Word of God you can apply to your life when you didn't realize it. I began to pray this, the prayer that uh, God gave to Ezekiel. God, for the bones in this area, in this valley, all the, all the souls that are backs and all the souls that are away from God, that are hungry for God, God, I prophesy that they would begin to come together and God is doing it. Not just because I prayed the prayer and we've all worked together, but prayer works. And you can take something that happened to a prophet in the Old Testament and say, God, do it for me. You haven't changed. 
I want to apply it to my life. Perhaps it's uh, you hear a story in the Word of God of how God healed the, the blinded eye. You say, God, I want to see that before I die. I want to see that this year. I want to see the blinded eye open. And you begin to, you read it in the Word of God, and you say, God, show it to me. You're still real. You're still in charge. God, I got a, a family member that's sick in their body. Back in the book of Matthew, you healed somebody with that same sickness. God, do it again. And you will find, amen, that as you move from just being a hearer of the word to a doer of the word, amen, you'll find that God's word is still quick and powerful. It's still alive. And it still works in your life. Why don't we stand to our feet? Amen.